Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. This episode isn't quite what I had planned this time last week. I was looking at three great guests in the final regular show before the 2022 WDF World Championships and then last Wednesday it was announced by the World Darts Federation that Lakeside, their World Championships, has been pushed back as a result of the ongoing situation with the coronavirus and the Worlds will now take place from the 2nd of April until the 10th of April. It's a disappointing decision but one I can sort of understand the rationale behind and I'll sort of elaborate on my thoughts later in the show. Uh, But there's still one guest for this week, the final guest of 2021 and that's none other than the WDF Women's World Number 1, Dita Hedman. We had a catch-up last week to discuss her six title wins this year, how she was feeling going into Lakeside, needing to work harder to beat her rivals, her perspective as an official within the WDF on the delay of the World Championships, how she thinks they can get more women playing darts and much more besides. I'm now delighted to be joined by the WDF World Number 1, Dita Hedman. Dita, how are you? Hello, Andrew. I'm fine, thank you very much. It's not quite the the conversation I was expecting we were going to have tonight. The news came out earlier today that the World Championships have had to be postponed from January to, to April. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Well, of course, a little bit disappointing, but then, as I said, on the other side, it's better to be safe than sorry, isn't it? And in fairness, if I'm being honest with you, I've always thought that having the World Championship just after the PDC one, in all the years that they've been having it, to me, I always thought about it being a different time, if that makes sense. Mm. Because I just think uh, PDC start just before Christmas, after Christmas, and then ask come along. Everybody's used up most of their money. Although it was always well attended, but I often think, would it be better attended if we had a few months between us and the PDC? And obviously you're part of the, the WDF team. Obviously, I'm aware you probably can't say too much, but how much kind of thought process, how much time has it taken to actually make the decision that they had to make earlier today? To be honest with you, we haven't stopped looking at everything as it goes. You know, there's never a day that you sit on your laurels. You're always listening to the news, reading things, seeing, and then in the end, I suppose with what's going on now with this Omicron and it's multiplying and people not quite sure to be honest with you and we're no scientists so we just thought really making that decision yes it was hard but as i said it's better to be safe than sorry and at least to me it's given the players a bit longer to sort out if they need to have a babysitter and things like that because it's straight after christmas to be honest with you the world championship was going to be but now it's given them a bit more time to sort things out, isn't it? Well, exactly. When it happens in April, you were going to be the number one seed for the tournament. Now, that's nothing new. You've been the, the number one seed six times before. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the form you've been on the last few months, 
would this have been the best you've ever felt going into a World Championships? To be honest with you, I've been in better form than I have been right now, and it still made no difference. But <laughs> for me, I just go in, and I always hope that the darts do the talking. If it doesn't, then hey, I'm still alive, and I will always say that. It's just another game, and I know everyone keeps saying, oh, it's the one trophy you haven't got on your CV. And I will say it now, and I'll say it again. If ever I leave this world and I never have that trophy on my CV, then it doesn't matter. I've enjoyed my life playing darts, doing what I do. And you know what? Not having one thing on your CV ain't going to change you who you are. And that's how I look at it. I mean, the last time we, we spoke interview-wise, obviously we've spoken since, but the last time sort of chatted like this was just after you'd won the, the England Open in September, which was sort of the first big event back. And since then, you've had the, the travelling all around. Did you feel that, even though there were still tests and all that kind of thing, the last few months have felt like a normal season? Well, yes, to be honest with you. Yes, it did feel like a normal season. As I said, as long as you follow the protocol and did what you had to do and you kind of follow the rules, I know a lot of people say ones who have these jabs, we're sheeps and whatever, so hey, we've all got a choice in this world. Some people may not have a choice, but the overall scheme of it, we do have a choice, so hey, I made the choice to have the jab, someone have it, but to me, no, I, I felt it was coming back to being as normal as we possibly could. Well, and of course, all the protocol of filling forms out and whatever, I got my manager to do the locator forms anyway, so all my fault to do something. So, well, for me, yeah, nothing has changed, really. I just kind of picked up where I left off and hopefully, you know, the darts go. And, yeah, as I said, it is what it is. So Now, something I did want to ask, you won the, the Irish Classic title on your birthday. You've done an <laughs> awful lot in darts over the years. You've been playing a long time. Have you ever won a title on your birthday before or was that a first for you? Oh, my good God, I, oh, I've never really thought about it. It could have been the first. I think you better ask Paul about that stat because I don't do stat. I just, you know me, I said to you, I just go play and hopefully the darts go. If they don't, they hey, It's just a bad day at the office. But no, I have never actually thought about that. And yeah, you were there with me as well. It was fantastic, wasn't it? <laughs> it definitely was. And I think, you know, obviously you won a lot of the trophies uh, played very well all the way through, but I think probably the one that, that stood out to me was the most recent one when you won the, the Czech Open because it was a really good game. You and Laura, high 90 averages for most of that game, and then she obviously missed it at the match starts and you came through to win. Obviously, I'm sure that, that meant a lot because it was the first time you'd won in Prague in, in eight years. Oh, oh, for sure. And what made it even more pleasing was the fact that we both played so well. And of course... As you said, she missed the match starts. And my problem is I think too much and I'm going to have to stop doing that. But in my head, I was thinking when she threw the dart for that double four and it went that far away and I'm thinking, oh, she's missed it. And I'm thinking, you're so far behind, just keep plugging and hopefully she gets a bit tight (laughs) (laughs) and give me a shot at it. And... To be fair, whenever I play darts and I'm behind or above, I just keep going. 
And I just think if you get a shot at the double and you miss it, you've only got yourself to blame. At least you were given a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was just looking at her and thinking, yep, she's a bit tight. Now you better try and relax and hit it. <laughs> and yeah, I did, but it was a cracking game and I really did enjoy that. And as I said, yes, she should have won. But at the end of the day, I hit the double. So, hey, I could have said the same to anybody who, when I miss and they hit the double at the end of the day, they hit the double. And that's what it's all about. We can score until the cows come home. But if you can't hit the double, that's what it is all about. That's what win the game. So, hey, I'll take that any day. <laughs> so you're now at 221 career titles. When are you going to be catching Phil Taylor's record? Is that next year or the, the one after? Oh, my good God, Andrew. <laughs> I'm getting to be an old woman now, you know that. And all these youngsters are nipping at my tail, as you can see. Whenever I play Laura, she brings her aching. And it's funny, I was talking to Paul the other day. I said, it seems now, at one time when I used to get on that hockey and whoever I play, I had a 10% on them. But it doesn't seem like that anymore. They seem to bring their A game, and even the one who, you know that, okay, they might play a blah, 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 and I should win, but even they're bringing their A game. So, for me, now, as I said, getting older, I'm just going to have to step on the gas straight away if I possibly can. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but that's what I've got to have in my head, and just hit that double when you get a chance. So, so talking about the, the Women's World Championship, obviously got a bit longer to wait for that now, but it was going to have 24 players and it was going to have a record prize fund. I saw you posted something about this on Facebook the other day, but uh-huh. that expanded field and the expanded prize fund, how big a source of pride was that for you as you know the, the official hat you've got with the WDF? Oh, massive. Absolutely massive, because if you go back interviews that you've seen, I've always said, never been looking for the first prize ladies to be half of the men, because invariable when we do competitions and so forth, we're never half the amount of the men. But three quarters, I've always said, not three quarters, a quarter of their prize money is what I think ours should be. You know, because when it used to be a hundred thousand, I've always said I shouldn't be any less than twenty-five. And in fairness, the WDF has of it. So what the runner-up gets is what the first prize is for the ladies, and I'm overjoyed. But, and I say, but on that other scale, the ladies is not just the world championship; it's all the open that they have in all the countries. Because what the runner-up in the men's getting is what the ladies' prize, first prize is going to be. But we need to turn out for it. Hmm. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be hard. Because, as you know, most women, young girls or whatever, are not so much younger, but most of the ladies who play dance are housewives. And it's fortunate that some of us can go out there and play the game. You know? But... The ones who think, oh, I haven't got a chance, Peter is there, Laura is there, Fallon's or whatever, they've got to turn out because you've got to be in it to win it. Hmm. It's simple as that. You've got to be in it to win it and you don't know what's going to happen because every day the darts are so different. 
It don't matter how good you are, you can be beaten. I know there's been a lot of talk about what Fallon's doing with the, the PDC World Championships and what she's doing will hopefully lead more, more women to play the game. Do you think that is likely to, to lead to an increase in, in the women playing? Yes and no. The next generation, yes, the next generation coming through. Because ladies, as I said right now at this moment in time, if you look through most of them, as I said, they're all myself, Lisa may not like it, Trina, we're all on that scale of we're over 50. Yeah, we're all over 50 now. And then the girls below us or the ladies below us are mostly housewives with children. So it's going to be the next generation is going to take from what Fallon is doing now and what Lisa has been doing. If they want to make it a career, then you've got to have the DDC, WDFRCells, England, all the organisation looking to the next generation, but you've got to have the tournament there with the prize fund. It's a double whammy because women have to turn out and to get on that level that Fallon, Lisa, and I will always say I'm fortunate, a player like Anastasia and Trina in her time, and Mandy Solomon's no longer with us, and Maureen Flowers were, you know, still around. In their A-Day, that's what they used to do. And at this moment in time, Fallon, Lisa, Anastasia, Trina is now working, of course, and Aileen has gone back to work. But when they were hitting that big average, they were doing it as a living. Hmm. I've always been fortunate because I just think I'm just a terrier. <laughs> and I just will nip and nip. And I put the time in every little effort I have, every spare time I have. I put my practice in to be where I am. But the girls like Fallon showing what you can do, but that's her job. Lisa's shown you what she can do, and that's her job. Anna, at the top of her game, is her job. Still is. And same as Trina, that was their job. So for you people out there, PDC and whatever, see what Fallon and Lisa has done in the last few years. The next generation has to look at, it's going to be my job. Because there's no point in, okay, practicing, doing a little bit here and there. It has got to take dedication, and then, from then on, you kick on. Mm, but it's true. got to be your job, and you have got to want to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I yeah. suppose a big, a big part of that, if you know that uptake or whatever is there, is going to be the PDC expanding the women's series next year to to twenty events, which obviously offers a lot more opportunities. Yeah, but then again, you've always had the BDO no longer with us, yeah, and now the WDF, we're alongside. We've always been doing that, mm. haven't we? If you think about it, mm -hmm. we've always been there. But then when you listen to what PDC guys are saying, the cream of the crop is what they're looking for. And unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, of course, I can play well. Of course, Anna can play well. Of course, Lorraine. And all the ones below Lisa and Fallon. 
And we've all beaten them. But at the end of the day, they're the two ladies, yes, that is at the top of the tree right now in the PDC, because as I said, that's their job. And for them to get what they want, I'm not saying it's not possible, but the WDF has always been alongside for the ordinary players. Mm. You know? So, I don't know what the PDC is looking for. I remember it said, oh, the ladies have to up their game. It's not as easy as the men. It's not as easy as the men can just up their game. They can put the time in because the woman will look after the kids in the house. So when they come in, they can go away, practice hours and end. It's not the same. And once they get that in their head, that it's not the same. Hmm. And of course, Fallon's got her little boy. Will she have some children later on? Then you will see that difference. So, you know, of course, they need to have that carrot out there, not just dangling, whatever, but they need to step up to the plate hmm. and not just saying, yeah, maybe, but this, that and the other. They need to show what they can give and what they're willing to do, hmm. not just cherry pick. Yeah. Because all these men that are in the PDC started from somewhere. And once they get there, they put the time in. Because the wife says, that's what you want to do. Let me see the husband said to the woman with the kids and that, I'll look after the kids. I'll stay at home while you go and do that. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, moving away from the, the, the women's side of things, one of the other changes to the, the WDF World Championship the, this year was the expansion of the boys' tournament and the introduction of a girls' tournament. Uh-huh. You're obviously heavily involved with England. You're a youth ambassador with England. Yes. So was expanding that youth something that you pushed for? Oh, God, yeah, all of us, all of us. Because I always thought you're doing something for the ladies to bring the, the girls in into it as well. The youth, you've got to start somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And it gives the youngsters, again, that incentive. So it's the next generation. So they'll see that world championship for the girls and they'll think it's a stepping stone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's always a stepping stone bringing the youngsters in. And those girls will think, oh, world championship, we have something to play for, to play towards. And Mm. then it's the feeder. I don't care what anybody want to think or say, but the WDF are always going to be a feeder for the PDC because we haven't got their money. Mm. We're not even competing against them. Basically, we're here to give everyone who wants to play darts a platform. Yeah. And they can enjoy it, and you're good enough, then you can step up the ladder. Because that's what life is. You start from the bottom, and you work your way up, and you make it to the top. Yeah. Whether you stay there, that's up to you. But you've got a platform to work from. Exactly. Even offers opportunities for players as bad as me, so... You're not so bad, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this past weekend, uh, County, you ended up calling for Oxfordshire. What happened there? I've been working just a little bit too hard, if that makes sense. My shoulder been giving me a little bit of jet. So I went and had some work <clears throat> done on it. I went and had a, a ultrasound on it. And... Um, 
they just told me to have to rest it basically. And um, county at the minute, I just thought, you know what, I think I've done enough. <laughs> so I need to have a rest because work is never non-stop. And when I, I do practice a little bit when I'm at county, so I just said to them, you know what, I'm going to rest, give myself that opportunity, won't overdo it, just in case I've pulled a muscle or something. But they were just showing that, you know, there was a bit of inflammation, so I need to rest it. And I decided I'll do some calling instead. <laughs> as simple as that, really, Andrew. So how was the, how was the calling then? Uh, I, well, actually, we had a friendly a few months back, and I did do a bit of calling then. And because our regular caller wasn't there, I just said, I'll do some. So I, I did three of the guys. I enjoyed it. It's all right. I'm just glad I didn't call too slow a player and too fast a player because I didn't know. I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> but no, I did enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so is this going to be a regular regular thing for you then moving forward? No, not really. I will help out if they need. <laughs> because with, with our county right now, everybody chipped in. Sometimes I'll sell a bit of raffle ticket. I was also on the door as well, you know, selling the programme. So... I, we all muck in and be part of the county. It's, it's what it is. We don't just leave it to just that one person. If they need go toilet or do whatever, some one of us just step in and help. Mm. The only thing I haven't done yet is the computer, and I'm thinking, oops, I might leave myself from that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did enjoy it. <laughs> well, with, with Lakeside pushed back, a lot of the big events in the early part of the year, they've been moved as well, Romania and the Dutch Open. So... I think the next big outing for you will be the, the first World Seniors Championship in February. How much are you looking forward to that? Do you know what? I'm, at the beginning, being in it, because as you said, you've just brought it to my attention now because I'd totally forgotten about that. I kind of put everything in stages and then when one finished, then I go on to the other. And as you just brought it, yeah, that would be the first big one, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's how I do my thing. I don't dwell on anything, too many things, because I don't want to clog my brain up. <laughs> As Paul will tell you, it's very small at times. <laughs> <laughs> In that World Seniors sort of field, we don't know the draw yet, is there anybody you'd really like to play? I'm not actually bothered. I just look at it. You know what? Whatever is put in front of you, you have to play. Hmm. And that's how I've always looked at things. You know, sometimes the draw can be a hard draw, but at the end of the day, if you're going to win something, you're going to be what's put in front of you. So, no, I have no preference. If I get Trill Taylor first round, so what? He's got three darts, I've got three. Bob Anderson, whoever, whoever, whoever is there, whoever I get drawn, just have to get up there and just play the board. Someone who should have been involved in, in the World Seniors, but is sadly no longer with us, is, is Andy Fordham, and he's someone you knew a lot through the work you both did with the, the Heart of Darts. I mean, what yeah. are some of the your favourite memories that you could share of, of you and Andy? Well, one of my first thing was back in 19, was it 1995, I think it was, when we won the World Cup in Switzerland. If my brain serves me right. 
which was myself, Mandy Solomon. I still got the photograph. Yeah, me, Mandy, Martin Adams, Steve, Beaton, Ronnie Baxter and Andy Fordham. We walked away with everything back then. That was the first good real memory. And then not so long before Andy passed, we did an exhibition in Scotland for the poppy, five of us, which was myself. Actually, Andy picked us up, picked me and Paul up and drove all the way to Scotland. We did the exhibition with myself, Trina, um, Tony O'Shea, Daryl, and Gary Robson. Absolutely fantastic. And do you know with Andy Rangers, isn't it, Bunny? Mm. <laughs> Andy Goran, Billy, he was there as well. We just had such a fab time and obviously drove us back. But Andy, I've known Andy for so, so long. So long. Doing the tour, obviously, before I walked away and obviously representing our country. Mm, of course. That's just, just unbelievable, really. And what would you say his legacy is for the darting world? His legacy is that you could never find a more down-to-earth person who plays the game in the manner that it should be played. Always have time for anyone. You know, he was just such a lovely, lovely man. Really, really was. And, yeah, when I heard, it was just unbelievable. Just unbelievable, because obviously knowing the family and all that, it's, <clears throat> yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening, Dita. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have another catch-up before the rearranged lakeside in, in March or April. I, I hope so. I hope so. I always enjoy chatting with Dita. She's always super open and honest, even if our conversation was a little different to the one we'd both sort of anticipated earlier last week. On the WDF's decision to postpone the World Championships, I do get it. At the heart of the decision is the issue that that event practically could not run without fans in the building. The WDF are not insulated by the seemingly bottomless pit of money that the PDC have. They need the fans in the building for a major event to bring the money in that will help them fund tournaments for the year ahead. The prospect of further restrictions in the UK coming in in the next couple of weeks, which looks likely... You know, there was the sense today from the Prime Minister that it's a case of when, not if. The prospect of them coming in and meaning that the event has to be done behind closed doors makes it a very tough decision to proceed. If, say, the government introduced restrictions that come into effect from the 30th of December, they're then in a very difficult position because at that late stage, you couldn't realistically call it off. But then obviously they're making... A, a massive loss and likewise if you if they left the decision much later than they did you would completely be screwing over the foreign players who'd probably already be in the country or well on their way to getting here especially those coming from your Canada's New Zealand Australia it was funny that the news came out Wednesday afternoon I'd actually been speaking to Canada's Rory Hansen the day before about how he would be best off getting from Heathrow 
to the lakeside venue itself and you know plans for catching up during the week at lakeside and then the next day uh, it's all in the bin which is obviously very disappointing I imagine a lot of the foreign based players especially those further afield probably have lost out on travel um, if they've already booked it I imagine most of them already have but yeah you don't want the tournament undone by no fans in the building which was something they couldn't really sustain and you also don't want a tournament undermined by a slew of positive cases for players that then has to change the field dramatically at late notice which was definitely a possibility uh, with things the way they are at the moment and if the WDF had spoken to Bob Potter and Discovery Plus Eurosport and they'd got the green light that they were both happy for them to move it to April, then why wouldn't you take that opportunity? It means you're not clashing with the PDC world, you're not clashing with Q School. It's a free date in many ways, and it gives them a clearer run at it. And hopefully by then the COVID situation will be a lot clearer around the world. We'll have navigated most of the Omicron issues and we'll be in a better place generally. Um, that Easter date, or sort of an April Easter date, has been suggested by Martin Adams and Ross Montgomery in the past. And I'll be interested to see how it actually works out and if it has any long-term implications. If that date that doesn't really clash with anything else does well and gets them the traction they're looking for, then perhaps that's food for thought for future years. Yes, that the January slot is the traditional one, but if the PDC calendar is going to expand and there's going to be more women's series, back to a regular Euro tour, then January is probably going to be a difficult time to fit anything in. So maybe it happens that that April is a much better slot for it to happen. There was obviously the argument as well, though, that the decision was taken based on the low ticket sales. The numbers I've seen, and these are on reasonably good authority, were that ticket sales were at 15% before the schedule came out, which to some extent is an understandable figure. I think with a tournament like that, a lot of tickets aren't sold until you know when the players from your area, your county, your family, your friends, whatever, are playing. And then you make decisions based on that. And I think there was generally some hesitancy based on the COVID situation. I think also the bigger factor there is that the WDF haven't cut through the wider consciousness in the way that the BDO used to. The BDO had a platform. They were established. It was every January. People knew January meant Lakeside. Since they died, yes, the WDF are doing an admirable job trying to take that spot, but they don't have the same coverage, knowledge, history and general resonance within the darting public in the UK and elsewhere. And obviously, <clears throat> that's something that, that needs to be rectified. Whether that's a case of moving forward, they need someone permanently helping them on the social media front, providing more regular updates on stuff that isn't just you know sporadic press releases, which are very good, or, you know, like the recaps I've done for the website have helped with those. The, the Dartscast boys have helped with the ranking tables. All of that stuff's good, but I think it might be that they need some volunteers to make sure that content is even more regular and they're getting themselves out there a lot more. I'm not sure. I don't know what that looks like, but I think that's something that's got to be addressed. And I'm sure that the, the ticket issue, I think it goes hand in hand and probably influences the, the decision they were thinking of making in the direction they've taken. Looking at it, there are a couple of issues, though. The, one of them is that there are going to be players in that field who now lose out on that dream of playing on the lakeside stage. With Q School in January, there are a number of players in that field who I anticipate will probably get tour cards. Connor Scott, Sean McDonald, Jim McEwen, just to name three. 
If they then drop out, how are they going to be replaced? In theory, that's then going to be the top three from the main table. And as things stand, that's John Scott of England, Jason Brandon of the USA, and John O'Shea of Ireland. However, that table is going to change. There are events on there from the beginning of 2020. Romania should have been in January, is now going to be in June or July, I can't remember, but are those points realistically going to be staying on that ranking table for two and a half years, or will they come off in January, in theory, when the next one should have been played? Slovakia, the points on there from Slovakia, 2020, February, that event's set for February 2022, so in theory those are going to come off and there are going to be new point scorers from those events. The same is true of the American and Canadian event scheduled for the first couple of months of the year, and the same is true of the Isle of Man in March, which was obviously the last event before everything went tits up last year. The 2022 events, the first few months of the year, could change that ranking table quite dramatically and therefore would change the guys who are going to be in the tournament. But would the guys who are first reserves right now, so, you know, John Scott is the first reserve right now, is he going to stay as the first reserve? I don't know. And I think, you know, you talk about I talk about the events that are going to be the first couple of months of the year. I think there's a, a wider question. Will those events even go ahead? There's issues, I know, with the Scottish Open at the moment. It's not even got a confirmed grading at the moment for, for 2022. And with the COVID situation in the UK, is the Isle of Man going to be practical in March? I don't know. Are the European events going to be practical? Are those, you know, in North America going to be practical either? I'm not sure. And another question that I'm sure has got to be asked, what about those guys who turned down the invitation for January? What would happen to them? Would the invitation be open back to them if there were spots made available? Again, not sure this is information that the WDF are going to have to clarify in the early part of 2022. Looking ahead to, to January, the, the first events of the year, there's a doubleheader in Russia, the 5th and 6th of January. That's the Kalashnikov Cup and the Udmurtia Open. The Las Vegas Open is on the 15th of January. It's a silver event. And then there's the Victorian Classic in Australia on the 23rd of January. I will be back in the, the new year with a new episode of the pod. And I'll be playing it here from there based on the COVID situation as to, to you know what the world looks like, what events are on and, and where we go from there. Um, but in the meantime, take care. Merry Christmas to, to all the listeners. Thank you very much for your time for listening across the year. Thank you very much to Dita for her time for this week's show and to everybody who's been on the, the pod this year. It's been a great year for the show. I had some phenomenal guests, told some phenomenal stories and I'm looking ahead to, to hopefully a year of normality in 2022 and getting to that World Championships. You can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next year.